This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey guys, welcome again to Enneagram Plus Yoga, a podcast for the body, heart, and mind. This is part two with Joe Timberlake. Joe Timberlake is a certified pain management coach. He's also a yoga teacher, and so you can live anywhere in the world and book a pain management coaching session with him, so I think that's pretty cool, but also if you live in the Chattanooga, Tennessee area, you can go check out one of his classes at Southern Soul Yoga. So the first part of today's episode is the last part of Joe's interview. And then after that, Kat and I spent a little bit of time thinking about each of the nine types and what addictions they may be more prone to. I think you're really going to enjoy this episode. It's one of my favorites. Let's get to it. I know, Joe, you coach and you help people overcome and heal whatever ails them. How has yoga and Enneagram helped you heal yourself? Mm. And if you, I know it's a deep question and deeply personal question. So whatever you would like to share with us and our listeners. I'm fine. I don't need any help. (laughs) (laughs) Does that sound like an eight? Yeah. (laughs) When I was in 2015, I had a hip replacement. Okay. Mm. And I shared I was a long distance runner. I had three different running careers. Yeah. I mean, I was... That was my life. That's a part of my identity. And I had a spiritual life in recovery, but I had to have this running thing, this endorphin mm-hmm. yeah. thing. It was part of my recovery. I don't know if I'd have stayed sober without that. And so I'm running, run the fastest half marathon of my entire life. Mm-hmm. And, then, um, and then my hip went out the day, next day, and I couldn't walk. And I'm struggling with this. It's like, what mm. in the heck is wrong with me? And I'm in denial for a while. And uh, people would say, hey, you're Joe, you're limping. And it's like, no, I'm not. I'm fine. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm good. And it would, you know, it would frustrate me when people would say that because mm. I'm good. I've got this. Mm-hmm. And so. It's uh, under control. It's under control. Totally. And so I've had to learn. I had to learn. I had to hit bottom with it, basically. Mm-hmm. And finally went to the orthopedic surgeon. And he said, yeah, <laughs> you can keep on with this, but I wouldn't recommend it. And uh, he said, but you're an active guy. And so we, we're developing a new, a new hip prosthetic that is, uh, that's different from the titanium that we've been using. Those don't mm-hmm. work over time. Mm-hmm. So we've got this new ceramic space-age joint and this super space-age nylon area. And, they, and, we, and we're just going to re- we'll rebuild all that. And, it, and that's what we give the kids. Mm-hmm. And the athletes, mm. so that they can perform at the same level. And I said, "I'm in. Can we do it right now?" Mm-hmm. And so, so I was ready to go. But I, what the what that tells you is that I'm an eight, and that I've got this. I'm very hard for me to surrender. It's very hard for me to say I'm hurting. So, learning how to be vulnerable, learning mm-hmm. how to go get help, 
learning how to just have a moment where it's okay. Mm-hmm. It's just okay to not be okay. Mm-hmm. And share it with somebody I care about. And see, sponsorship in AA is so good for this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But most people in recovery don't really surrender that sponsor. They get they pe- pick people like maybe you're, have a nice car, a nice business, or, or nice, mm-hmm. as opposed to somebody that's really going to hold their feet to the fire. And I want somebody that's going to be honest with me. Yeah. Honesty is very important for an eight. Yeah. Advocacy, honesty. Yeah. That is a big thing. Mm-hmm. It and certainly you, is. And with your hip injury, you know, being weak is really hard for an eight. They want to be strong. And so to admit that pain and that vulnerability, that that was important for a, an important part of your healing, right? And what it was. Mm-hmm. And what was good was, I think, I think God <laughs> had something else in mind for me than all this damn running. And, yeah. and so that's when I'd already gotten into coaching. And one of my sponsees, wife was a was a chronic pain coach and he had told becky about me they had told becky about me and they wanted to they approached me about coaching but all my time in in the restaurant world and management and leadership i I coached for two years i ended up getting into it got sports certified and but eventually i ended up managing the company because i have my skills are in in leadership Mm -hmm. and, and in management and so that's why I like Brene's Brown last book. Really yeah. And so that's that's worked so good. So things in life, sometimes when we're going through something really hard, Richard Rohr again calls it liminal space. It's when we're hurting and we're anxious and we're we're stressed. If we just hang on, there's something good going on here. If we just accept it on the other side of this is something good. Mm-hmm. My life's better than it could ever have been. Mm-hmm. And I still sneak in around a run every now and then. Mm-hmm. I got yoga. Yeah. And I got yeah. cycling and I got my puppies and I got I've got my I've got a life that's so much more full yeah. than it's ever, ever been. Yeah. Yeah, those liminal spaces are really hard and really painful, but to know that there's going to be something more beyond that. And for you, you had to let go of the intensity of those hard runs and and kind of embrace every once in a while run and yoga and this new way of being in the body that was soft yeah and softening and not being so intense and not pushing yourself too hard is so important for eights right oh it certainly is wow that's and i'm the first one to bolt out of there before savasana <laughs> mm, I'm good. Yeah. This is good. I got what I need, you know. And it's yeah. time to get off to work. But man, that's the most important part of the whole thing. You stayed yeah. today. I don't remember you ever walking out of my class. You you stayed to Liam. I had a migraine. <laughs> <laughs> you needed that medicine. Uh, no, you're you're Sebastian's because you always have good things you share with us. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I've had to learn mainly how to be vulnerable and how to surrender how to look at myself and how to accept what life's, you know, what's going on in my mm-hmm. life. It's meant to happen yeah. in some way. So for our listeners, Joe went to Kat's yoga class this <laughs> yeah. morning and he stayed for the Shavasana because he's doing his work yeah. as an aide mm-hmm. and he's softening and releasing, releasing and surrendering to the mat and to the universe below him and to the earth. And that's, 
that's where some of the medicine happens for mm. the eight. So that's that's really good stuff. So mm. tell me, how do you apply the wisdom of the Enneagram to the work that you do, to maybe even your life, to your teaching as a yoga instructor? I got a really good story. Mm -hmm. I'll try to keep it short, but I told you I moved up here to, to Tennessee to be with my family, and I could move my business. I mean, everything we mm -hmm. do is telephonic mm -hmm. with coaching. And, but my dad was starting to decline, and, and we'd never been particularly close. And, but the good news was I had all this time in recovery. I'm a coach now, and I've got the Enneagram. I've got yoga. I've got all these things, all these ways that I've kind of patched myself into being a, really, a real person here. Mm -hmm. And Daddy was, my dad is a one-dimensional, angry guy, and he was difficult to be around for anybody, but he loved his clients, loved mm -hmm. his clients. And his life was about, mm -hmm. about his, uh, you know, he loved the law. And so I started going up to his house from Nashville, and, I, and I, he, at first he didn't want to see me because he was so busy, and he had these all these workers' comp cases he, uh, that were amazing. He was at the high point of his career, and he was 90 years old. And he was amazing, he, but he was declining, and he was he couldn't walk, and he couldn't he was a fall risk. And so I started showing up, and, and he and one of the things Daddy would do to me when I was a kid is he'd make me work all the time, and we have this house on the brow, mm. and he would make me haul rocks all the time and work, work and work, and I just God, I hated it. It cured me of ever wanting to wanting to do housework or yard mm -hmm. work. And so, but so I said, Daddy, what? what can I do, you know, here, how can we get our lives kind of back together? And he wasn't having it for a while. And then finally he said, all right, I want you to trim the hedges. And these hedges are 10 feet tall all the way around his property. And they're mm. right on the brow and all the way around. It's like, okay, I, I can do that. So I got this big old hedge climber. It weighs about a thousand pounds that I'm trying to, and it's summertime and it's, mm -hmm. it's kicking my butt. And I'm thinking, God, you really want to do this? It's, this goes on for a couple of years. Mm. And so I keep I show up a couple of times a week. I'm working from the house up there in my car in Nashville, mm -hmm. and I'm showing up for him. And I'm not really sure why I'm doing it, but I'm, if something tells me i got to do this. He may not be around much longer, and he's still not really – I'm not really feeling like he really – he and I are really close or anything mm -hmm. like that. He never told me he loved me, ever. Never wow. hugged me. And um, – and so after a couple more years of this, I'm getting ready to leave, and I'm sort of like had a hard day there, and he had been especially demanding. Mm -hmm. And um, he said before, and he would never let me leave. He, it's, as tough as he was, he would never let me leave. He wanted me to stay and be around and go to do something or whatever. And, and he said, I want you to stay. I want to tell you something. So he looks at me right in the eye. We had this amazing eye moment. I'm sitting right on the couch with him. I said, mm -hmm. yeah, Daddy, what is it? And he goes, I got to tell you, you are the big surprise in my life. Wow. Oh, and I didn't, wow. you know what's ironic? I didn't know what to say, but boy, I tell you, I had to hold back those tears. But what was amazing, this is the only time he'd ever accepted me like this. And you know what was ironic is I didn't really need it from him. I didn't mm. need to feel that he accepted me. I wanted it, and I loved it, but I didn't need it to feel whole. You'd found it inside of yourself. And all this other stuff that had happened. And so I was able to be there, 
And I think, Daddy, that is so great. I, I really appreciate you saying that. He said, yeah, but you're still a crappy yard boy. Wow. <laughs> uh, now, is he just everything you said about him? Was he a one in your estimation on the Enneagram? Do you, I mean, usually they love the law and yeah, morality. Probably. And there's this right or wrong. This is there an eight wing? Way. Is there an eight wing? <laughs> so he may have been an eight. Okay. He, yeah, uh, he had that. all. I hear that. I don't know what he was, but. But so he was very non-spiritual. He was an atheist, didn't buy into any of this stuff. And yeah. OCD. Well, OCD is a one. Is the hallmark of a one. He's a one. And, and ones and eights can present, uh, you know, in similar ways. They're, they're both, they both can be combative. They both are in the anger triad. And, you know, but That's him. the right or wrong, this way or that way, is very one-ish. And um, one and eights can also both be very argumentative. So um, it it's I mean I don't know what your dad is, but there seems to be a lot of one energy in what you've said. All of the above. Also critical, mm-hmm. self-critical, and critical of others. Yeah. Judgmental. I'm telling you because I'm a one. Yeah, like, you being a crappy yard man. Mm-hmm. That's that's yeah. A hallmark it wasn't perfect, <laughs> but that was his humor coming yeah. through. But not letting me get too sure. caught up and sure. Yeah. So a couple of years go on. Okay, and then he has a stroke, and then he's declining, and then he's just really going downhill. And we had to go to election mm-hmm. village, and and so he was in all three floors. He was in the brain health, he was in rehab, and finally mm-hmm. and he was he hated being there, but he couldn't. He he was he just could not live outside of the mm-hmm. in a controlled environment. So he had to have around the clock care. So his secretary Robin, his paralegal, and I took turns every other night staying with him because he would beat up the, the CMAs, you know, the overnight people. He would mm-hmm. not, he would just not let them. He was hard on people. He was terrible with people. Mm-hmm. And so this goes on forever and it's mm-hmm. hard. This is hard work. And so I'm staying at the house, staying with him, staying whatever. And, uh, oh man. And the night before he passed away, he's just like, he is like, so much, so much in stress, so much hanging on, wanting to get out of there, wanting to, it's so angry. And I just, I'm sitting on his bed and I'm sitting next to him and I said, Daddy, wouldn't it feel good just to let go of all this? He said, I have no idea how to do that. And he was so scared. He was so mm. petrified. He was like, he reminded me of People in you know in the latter stages of alcoholism when they are they're afraid they don't know how to surrender and they're angry scared and all this and this was daddy mm-hmm. he said I don't know how to do this and I said well all you have to do is just breathe with me and you know there is there's a way you can let go and give all this to something bigger than you and he said you know you're not going to make me do that and I said no but he's there and so that night. I sat on that bed all night long, and he held my arm. He had a grip on my arm. He, I, I said, "Daddy, I got to go to the bathroom." He said, "Nope, don't leave me." And I had to. We had we prayed together first time in his. Mm. When I told my sister about this, I mean, she. We can neither one of us could believe it, but he prayed and he surrendered. And he was so uncomfortable with it. He didn't know what he was doing or how he was doing. But he was the first time I think he had ever been able to let go and wow. surrender in his whole entire life. And holding on to you, you said earlier he had never hugged you, but he was holding on oh. to you for dear life. That touch, oh, mattered, he was. That surrender, that it was just a oh. holy moment. 
Yeah, wow. and, and somehow he had, he we developed this trust over the mm-hmm. over this time. No way, I couldn't have done it without doing his mm-hmm. hedge, doing his yard, and mm-hmm. helping him fix his septic tank system and all this. That was the pathway. To, and it, Building trust. And it, mm-hmm. Call it codependent, call it whatever, but it was the only way to get in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he said, and so next day he was gone. Mm-hmm. But he had that moment, we had that moment together. Wow, wow. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, thank, thank you, you so for much. Hearing. It's kind of a big part of all this. Yeah. And I'm still doing work on him. <laughs> He's yeah. still alive and well inside of yeah. me. Well, I think, too, when you said that moment of finally he was saying that he was, you know, seeing you and surprised by you. And in that moment, you said he made eye contact. And I think that, like, that's so important. Like, we're losing that art of eye contact because of COVID and and everything they've been virtually. Cell phone world. I mean, it's like we do FaceTime, I guess, but. But we all need to like have somebody say, I'm proud of you. I see you. I love you. The things that mm-hmm. you didn't get, you didn't get the hugs. You didn't get I, lo- I love you. Towards the very end, you got a little bit of that. But it's just a, your story is a reminder of so many things. But I just want to highlight, tell your kids, I love you. Make yeah. eye contact. Tell them I'm proud of you. Tell them that yeah. you see them. You know, that is so important. There's nothing more than that in my estimation to You're kind so of right. have somebody say these things thank you all of those things matter so much and i couldn't be there for daddy until he was ready mm-hmm. and i can't be there for my son until he's ready. i can't make him mm-hmm. it's like you know how you catch a butterfly it's way till mm-hmm. it lands on your sleeve mm-hmm. and it's no way i'm going to chase after my dog or my son or whatever i've got to when they are ready for me i'm there mm-hmm. and daddy was ready for me but it took some work yeah. And so meeting him where he was, mm-hmm. surrendering, being still, and just letting the rest happen, you know, somehow mm-hmm. with all these things that have been going on in my life, mm-hmm. it's been magical. That is magical. Well, Joe, now this is one of my favorite parts and might not be your favorite parts, but I want you to brag on you. So I know that we've talked about you being a coach and helping people with their addiction and chronic pain recovery. We've talked about you being a yoga teacher. And I also know that you are an author, that you wrote a book. Mm -hmm. And uh, we just talked about it. I'm just going to repeat myself. So I love reading and... um, I love libraries, so I always have 20 books checked out of the Signal Mountain Library, and uh, the the crux of the matter, they want them back, and I'm a really <laughs> slow reader, so and they want them back in time, so I always am attached to my, um, to my to-do list uh, so I can get back to the library, and um, you gave me your book, it's called The Attorney, and I said, Joe, is it okay that I'm going to read it later because I got all these librarians up my butt, and you said... No problem. If you read first page, you would know it's me. And I've listened to you, and I've read first 20 pages, and it didn't make sense to me until today's conversation, the attorney, the son, the paralegal. So can you just brag on yourself about everything that you're doing and being an author and a coach and a teacher? Can we talk about you guys? Nope. We've got to talk about you. 
Okay, I'm an amazing writer. I don't know where it came from. <laughs> but when I'm reading, when I'm in flow, you know what that means. When I'm in, mm-hmm. the, in the zone. Mm-hmm. And, I'm, and I, when I was writing that, I was waiting for my hip surgery, and I couldn't work. I couldn't run. I couldn't do anything. And I needed something okay. to do. And I started off just writing about, about uh, my relationship with my father. And then it morphed into this crime drama and all this crazy stuff. I don't know where it came from. But it's great fiction. And I would read pages out of that. I can pull it out right now. And I go, God, I wrote that? Mm. And I've got a sequel that's just sitting there because I've been too busy with the, my, my day job and all these other things in my life. And I've got another book that I've been working on. And when I read them, I'm just amazed. It's like, who wrote this? And my mm. seventh grade English teacher at Baylor said, you need to write You're a good writer. I don't remember what it was. He had his writing. I had some kind of insight about something, Mm -hmm. some metaphor, Mm -hmm. dramatic irony. Mm -hmm. And so it's there. It's inside of me. That's great. Mm. So that's good. So you've got a book published. You have a couple that you're working on. Yeah. And I need to keep writing. I really need to do that. But I love... I, I love what we're doing with chronic pain coaching. I think this is a game changer. Can you tell us the website... For your company? TakeCourageCoaching.com. Okay. Mm-hmm. And we will have that information on okay. our website. Yeah. Um, right. at all the links if our listeners uh, yeah. would like to connect with you, if that's okay with you. Absolutely. Please. And, and Becky Curtis is the founder. And Becky kind of got me early on. And she's, I don't, it's such a gift to work with and for somebody that really appreciates you and gets you and oh, understands your yeah. gifts. Yeah. And so she gets me in a big way. And really, and that, that's been just the coolest thing. And so, I would think an Enneagram eight would almost have to work for somebody who got them because otherwise there would be a big power struggle. <laughs> yes, you're yeah. right. You are right. Yeah, it depends on which eight shows up too. You know, yeah. and it's if, if it's yeah. the tired eight or the in, in uh, recovery we call it halt, hungry, angry, lonely, mm-hmm. and tired. When we're in that place where we're a little depleted. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that eight, that un, not so good side of the eight can rage. So, uh, but anyway, yeah. So I'm, I'm good at managing people, not managing people, but team building, mm-hmm. and eliciting, mm-hmm. evoking, engaging versus leading, guiding, and steering. Yeah. That was my the old way of doing mm-hmm. things back when I was in in uh, the leadership world in the corporate world. Now it's about just step going, showing up right alongside them. Yeah, and so coaching has really helped me grow a lot. Yeah, isn't that a testament to to the Enneagram? Because yeah, because you move, you know, not just from being an eight. The Enneagram's not static. It says you can be all nine numbers, and that moving alongside is a sign that you're doing that right. And it's a discipline. It really is. And the best, the most important time for me as a coach yeah. or a sponsee or anybody I'm working with is the 15 minutes before mm. when I can get centered and, and just be mindful of my, my gifts, what I love about this person, mm-hmm. why it is I'm here, what, I, what I'm grateful for about this whole coaching thing that's going on. Mm-hmm. I have to get still with that because if I'm going from client to client and I'm just, and I'm just in a hurry, the best part of me doesn't show up. But when I can get still, like you make me, Kat, in your class. Listen, I think the best of 
part of you showed up in the last hour, and <laughs> it has been. I knew the conversation with you would be good. I didn't know if it would be that good. Thank you for, first of all, sharing, for getting out of your comfort zone, for being vulnerable. You are an incredible storyteller. You uh, have an incredible life experience yes. that most people would not have in 10 lifetimes. Mm. And not only are you talking the talk, but you walk the walk. And that, mm. I think, is huge. So guys. I want to thank you for sure. letting us take your time and for being so open and sharing your wisdom. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. It's been a real pleasure. Thank, thank you, Joe. You so much. Thank you. Nice to meet you, Christy. It's nice to meet you, too. And I would say the one word that stuck out to me in this conversation is surrender. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that for, for most of us, especially all three of us here in this room, we do that on our yoga mats, don't we? Absolutely. We surrender every time we go to the yoga class um, and practice. And the Enneagram also teaches us to surrender, particularly for an Enneagram 8 like yourself. Learning to soften and surrender and let go of power is so important. But guess what? It's important for all of us. And so I just want to let you know that word has particularly stuck out to me. And I think that uh, I just want to highlight it for our listeners that we all need to work on surrendering. And we can't do that alone. Sometimes we need that through a mentor, a sponsor, a coach, like you've been talking about today. Like this journey of surrendering is a a communal journey. Uh, We can do it in a yoga class. We can do it with other people. So know that you don't have to go this road alone of surrendering. But thank you, Joe, for reminding us. Thank you for that insight. Yeah, of this important lesson of surrendering. Learning is better than knowing. Yes. I mean, I can know all kinds of stuff. It's what I learned right here with y'all with mm-hmm. today and where I'm walking out that door is what's really important. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Thank Joe. You, Joe. Thank- hey, guys. We thought with Joe being so vulnerable about his own addiction and healing process that it might be a good idea to talk about the nine Enneagram types and their propensity for different types of addiction. But big disclaimer with this. First of all, We're dealing with nine types who have different wings, who some of them may be in healthy spaces, some of them may be in unhealthy spaces. So this just may not apply to you. But just keep in mind what we say that this could show up for each of the nine types. But, you know, take it with a grain of salt, too. We're all just so different as human beings. But I'm going to let Kat kick off the one since she is a one you want to go for it yes absolutely so it is a very interesting subject for me and I'll start with one and kind of speak on it about you know from my own life experience Mm -hmm. and whether it resonates with you or not you be uh, a deciding person on that so type one enneagram are the improvers Mm -hmm. and um you know, the, 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 the people who strive for perfection. So I will speak for myself very often when I am under stress or in not healthy place, it almost becomes an addiction to being perfect or having things perfect, mm-hmm. whether they are personal or professional or collective of the two. And, um, you know, it, it, it gets to the point where I almost become obsessive about perfection, whether Mm -hmm. it's at my home or in, 
you know, could be appearance in a way that I perform tasks in my relationships. And um, that's when I sort of have to catch myself the internal work and pause and say, whoa, this is taking too much space in my head. This is taking too much time in the day. And this is tipping into the unhealthy space and the shadow space. And that's sort of a flare that goes up in the dark sky for me personally, where I have to have a step back and reassess and evaluate. Mm -hmm. So almost like an OCD tendency Mm -hmm. for me, and maybe ones that are listening would you know, would agree to that. So Christy, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, yeah. I think um, obsessive compulsive disorder, you know, is something any of the nine types could have, but Mm -hmm. a one would maybe be a little bit more likely because perfectionism and cleanliness and order and all of that are so important to them. Um, I also think when it comes to addiction, I think of kind of Freud's language of ones would really live in the superego, right? Yeah. They're, they're all about morality. They're all about yeah. doing it the right way. But that's a lot of pressure. Yeah. And so then if we use Freud's language, then by night they're living sometimes if they're in an unhealthy place in the pleasure principle yeah. or the id. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, you know, they're, you know, abusing substances yeah. because of the pressure that they felt to be perfect during the day. And that could be a variety of different substances. But, um, but that, you know, could be for one. But of course, there's lots of ones who don't struggle with addiction, you know, at all. And so um, they're just maybe in an average or healthy uh, space, and they're not leaning into any type of addiction. So yeah, um, yeah, just be very gentle with yourself as you listen to this, because I, I, I certainly don't want you to be hard on yourself as we talk about um, these uh, different sort of propensities for addiction for each type. Mm-hmm. So the two, the helper. Yeah. So um, of course we're addicted to helping, mm-hmm. right? And um, and I, I um, have gotten where I, I kind of pause before I answer when somebody asks me if I if I want to do something because you know my answer if I didn't pause would be yes Mm -hmm. let me help you yeah let me do what you need um so we neglect our own needs um and we can meet uh our needs in unhealthy ways like too much candy I'm so guilty of that too much wine um Mm -hmm. that's never been something that I've leaned on but Mm -hmm. I know twos who have or anything any sort of substance that would lessen um, their need uh, to feel loved because yeah. twos that's that's a big thing yeah. for a two they need to feel loved and appreciated yeah. and seen um, and so if they're not feeling that way they yeah. might just go to the the fridge to yeah. find that yeah. wine or yeah. that candy or whatever's yeah. in there yeah. um, so that those are some of my thoughts for the two what comes up for you with a three so with three um Type three being performance and, um, you know, really keeping work and goal and achievement in high regard. I think the addiction could present themselves to um, being addicted to success and work. Mm -hmm. So it's a never ending goal without finish line because Mm -hmm. as soon as you reach it it's got to be another one Mm -hmm. it's got to be more and more and more and more and you know what I would think of if you are 
almost fall into this workaholic space, mm -hmm. which is not healthy for a person or relationships because everything comes at a price. So if you are dedicating all of your time at work and achievement, somewhere is lacking and chances are it's somewhere where it matters. The loved mm -hmm. ones, people who care for you, who don't care whether you achieve or not. But also it leads me to think, you know, well, at what other cost would you have to kind of be a nonstop worker? Is it caffeine? Is mm -hmm. it some kind of stimulants to physically mm -hmm. keep you going when right. you are exhausted and you are absolutely drained and there's no energy and you have hard time focusing, concentration? And would that be something that, you know, substances that would keep you up would be something that a three might have a danger and risk to fall onto? I think that's exactly right. It's it's probably going to be stimulants, whether yeah. it's, you know, caffeine or something yeah. much worse. Yeah. Um, so for a three, they're just to keep keep up the doing. Yeah. They're going to have to like maybe lean in yeah. on on caffeine or something worse. So, right. yeah, they need to be careful of that workaholism because that's going to lead to potentially more dangerous things. Like yeah. at its worst, maybe it would be cocaine or something. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But but yeah, we have to be careful, all of us, about that workaholism, too. Like, and I think we can think about that as we go through all nine numbers, like, because, you know, some people may have an addiction to caregiving, even if they're not a two on the Enneagram. Mm -hmm. Some people might have an addiction to perfectionism, even if they're not a yeah. one. Like, I know my husband's a self-preservation three, but they show mm -hmm. up a little bit like ones. There yeah. can be some perfectionism. So as we go through this list and, and talk about each of the nine numbers, yeah. be thinking about, you know, yourself and, and maybe some of the addictions that might show up yeah. for you, um, yeah. even if you're a three, but you feel like, hey, I need to work on embracing, yeah. you know, imperfection. Yeah. And, you know, and also addiction, um, I would like to chime in that it's, it, it doesn't have to be a substance. Um, yeah. It could be just behavior. Yeah. You know, that you're, for example, for three, if you wake up five o'clock in the morning, you're at work at six and you don't check out till 8 p.m. And that is your every day. And then the weekend looks exactly as Monday through Friday. Mm -hmm. That's behavioral. And you might not need mm -hmm. extra caffeine or any stimulants to keep up that pace. But it still yeah. is showing up as that you're addicted to work to yeah. performing, to yeah. this goal achievement of never-ending goal lists. So, yeah. Yeah. you know, it could be just behavioral. Yeah, our, our addictions can be to so many different things. It can be to food. It can be to substances. It can be to working out. It can be to shopping. It can be to yeah. caregiving. It can, and the list goes on, yeah. right? Yeah. 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 Well, uh, what are your thoughts or what are my thoughts? I'm going to do the four yeah. about uh, the four. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, they can have an addiction to the emotional roller coaster, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. the, the mm -hmm. sort of labile mood going up and down. Um, we often talk about them being a little bit moody and broody. Um, they can have an addiction to... Um, you know, even these thoughts of the grass is going to be greener somewhere mm -hmm. else. Like if I have a different girlfriend or boyfriend, if I live in a different city, yeah. um, there can even be a little bit of addiction because they're artists and because they appreciate fine things and beauty to elitism. Yeah. So that shows up for the four. We don't talk about that enough, but 
But force can, you know, be addicted to the finer things in life. Yeah. Um, and to thinking again about what they have, because envy is their deadly sin, right? Yeah. So they're always comparing themselves to other people and thinking yeah. about what they have that other people not may not have or what other people don't have that they have. Yeah. And so that can come off a little bit elitist and believe it or not, that can be addic- an addiction. Yeah. Um, so... Because they go up and down, they could probably lean on depressants, you know, Mm -hmm. smoking pot, whatever, or stimulants, you know, because it could go either way um, for a four when they start to fall behind in their duties. And that is something fours can can do. That's why they need that one arrow of being more like, you know, the, the perfectionist or the improver because they need to get more structure and often they can, um, fall behind uh so that comes up for me with a four any thoughts you know i think fours being the type that most likely uh would feel like a black sheep or doesn't Mm -hmm. fit in i wonder if sometimes you're you don't feel yourself until you feel like black sheep if that makes sense Mm -hmm. so being addicted to feeling that I don't belong. Well, they don't mm-hmm. want me. This mm-hmm. is, you know, I, I, I am an outsider and almost being addicted to that, to that feeling and to that thought process yeah. and creating that inside of your head, whether it's true or not, yeah. because it's familiar, because it is a default setting, because yeah. that's kind of your base. Yeah. But then if you continue that, it can exponentially grow into something way more than just something to be aware of and work from Mm -hmm. like almost subconsciously taking yourself into that place and kind of residing there Mm -hmm. like well nobody wants me nobody understands me I'm on the island and creating that as a reality that could be addicting yeah you get addicted to negative narratives right and the negative narrative like you said is I'm a misfit I don't belong Mm -hmm. and then once you get stuck in that it becomes very dangerous and that's where you have to work on reframing and and knowing that you do belong and that's hard work and that can become you know lifetime work for the four of knowing that um, they do indeed have a place at the table right Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's move on to five. So our fives are our investigators. And, um, you know, like, we keep going through every single number. And what comes to mind is, and maybe it's very common in life, that's too much of a good thing could be a bad thing. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, like, good is just a flip side of a bad, like Mm -hmm. yin and yang, Mm -hmm. dark and light, like everything is so connected. And a lot of times there's very fine line Mm -hmm. between the flip from one to another. So the beauty of a five that they are all about knowledge and researching and expanding their mind. But once again, that could become an addiction Mm -hmm. that they would just withdraw themselves from any kind of social life aspect and just really be addicted to being inside of their head Mm -hmm. and having knowledge as something that keeps that addiction almost Mm -hmm. like keeps Mm -hmm. it going Mm -hmm. and creates the almost like an imaginary companion yeah that 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 is not a life thing it's just you know 
Does that make sense? It does make sense, yeah. And I would think even for the five, just because they love retreating from the world and mm-hmm. that that's kind of a bit of an addiction um, and that they, the, you know, they're so knowledgeable so they could, you know, know everything there is to know about computers um, and gaming or whatever, that they could love something like gaming, that they could become easily addicted to that because they don't have to see people face to face. They have all the knowledge to win the game. And it and and it's a very disembodied activity and fives definitely need Mm -hmm. to get into their body, but they Mm -hmm. can just sit there and kind of get addicted in that way. I also would imagine that but type five, and again, I'm not cast typing and I'm not familiar with the subject, but that's a type that I would imagine would be more likely to get addicted to gaming, like mm. to living in the alternate reality where yeah. it's safe, yeah, yeah, you know, and it is an illusion. It's created, mm-hmm. but there's, from my understanding, could, you know, the, the online gaming world could feel really real, mm-hmm. very real. And mm-hmm. then you're so attached and addicted to it and you feel like this is where you're very functional, mm-hmm. but... In a true dysfunctional way. Yeah. And you're right because the five, six, and the seven yeah. need safety and security. Yeah. So that does feel a lot safer mm-hmm. than going mm-hmm. to engage in the mm-hmm. world. And again, we're we're talking about fives who might be in a little bit more of an unhealthy space. Yeah. So I know a lot of fives yeah. who are not addicted to Correct. gaming, right? Mm-hmm. Like yep, who yep. are just healthy living out there in the world, doing their things, sharing their knowledge with the world. Um, but for some fives, that comes to mind as a place that they could go. Um, any other thoughts for the five? Just, and again, you know, I've said that fives, and we've said it on, on, on this podcast that Christy and I don't really have like a lot of five close friends. Yeah. So I feel like it's a dark horse of Enneagram yeah. for us. Yeah. And again, we're, you know, when we talk about these subjects, it truly is our personal opinion and what we're musing on. But I would sort of almost think like with five, having all this knowledge, it almost would feel like power. Yeah. And you can get addicted to power. Yeah. Like, you know, like mega mind. I just know everything and I'm the only one who knows it all. And feeling and then feeling that as a source of some power or self being able to Mm self-assert, whether outside world knows it or not, Mm -hmm. that's not even relational to a five. But for them kind of feeling that internal never satiated hunger for knowledge and I need more and more and makes you feel more powerful, you know? I I think so. Is that crazy? Maybe. I don't know. Maybe fives are a list and be like, girl, you are crazy. No, because... Go read a book. Their fears and (laughs) and confidence. Right. Yeah, I mean, you're spot on, like, that they could cling to, you know, I have power in the world through my knowledge. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that's, that's great. And then as far as substances go, I think... You know, it could be a variety of things for a five in an unhealthy space. It could be like mind expanding substances um, like LSD. It could be that they're using stimulants to keep them up all night so that they can do their researching because they, you know, love to study and research and gain that knowledge. So, I mean, I think it could be a variety of things for fives. And yeah, I think that you keep hearing us say this because we both feel like, oh, we, 
we don't want to pigeonhole people. Right. And typecast them. Yeah, we and and we know that this that what we're talking about is more about all nine numbers when they're in their unhealthier places. Mm-hmm. And I would say that we can all vacillate from yeah. like health to unhealth in the yeah. same day in right. the same week. Right. Like there might be like a night that um, all of a sudden you're really leaning in on food. Right. And right, right, right. pain through food. Exactly. Or a, a, a night that you do that with wine yeah. or whatever. And so like it's just something to notice and think about, you know, do I ever do this? Do I ever Too go? much of. Yeah. Too much. And full disclosure, we drink coffee. Yeah. We eat chocolate. <laughs> we have a glass of wine. Yeah. They're like yeah. judgment-free zone. Yeah. You know, well all said. of that. We're yeah. never would say, we don't want to talk in absolutes. This is just yeah. a an awareness piece. Yeah. You know, because so many times... Irregardless how self-aware you are, we get caught up in life and things are just moving and grooving and you get caught in a hurricane. So just knowing certain things to watch out for, like potholes. Yeah, potholes. You know, if you drop that car in the pothole, you maybe want to make a stop and take a different route the next time or decide like, is this the best round avenue for me? Yeah. And I think when it comes to addiction, like I just want to say there have been times in my life when I've used food, especially Mm -hmm. sweets Mm -hmm. as an addiction. There have been times in my life when technology has Mm -hmm. become addictive. And I think it's for all of us right now. Zero to nine, baby. Yes, Mm -hmm. yeah. There have been times in my life when caregiving has become addictive. There have have been times in my life when shopping has become addictive, which I think that can show up for a two as well because their generosity is one of their gifts. So they love to go shopping, especially for other people. But that can be addictive. Relationships. Yes, relationships. Mm -hmm. We we definitely... Mm -hmm. um, you know, neat. Th- this is what the Enneagram invites us to do yeah. is to look at all these parts of ourselves yeah. and not to be judgmental and not to be hard on ourselves. What's to, underneath it? Yeah. Yeah. What's underneath it? You know, this? what's presenting is not actually the problem. The mm-hmm. root of what's presenting might be an issue to decipher and look closely at. Yeah. You know, it's not that it's Sometimes you just need to eat the whole chocolate cake and that is a-okay. But if it continues to happen, is it chocolate cake you love or is it some kind of hole on the inside that you're trying to fill that no amount of chocolate cake ever could? Yeah. And then let's look at the hole. And that's the hardest part. And we all have those holes. That is. And, and, you know, here I am, you know, a therapist. I do a lot of self-care. I take care of myself. But my dad just died. Um, in 2020, mm-hmm. at the end of t- 2020, yeah. and I um, definitely leaned in on food yeah. a little bit after his death, yeah. and 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 I had to look beneath that, like you said, what's underneath that? Yeah. Grief, yeah, grief yeah. was underneath of that. Of course, that was course. you know a crutch, and so I have to keep looking at these things. You know, I, I'm I may be a therapist, but I still am pretty human right yeah, and course. i have i have these things as well of so course. of course yeah so we've got a um you know when we self-awareness is power yeah. right yeah. there's i a, agree a growth i agree so let's look at our type six okay um so of course for the six there can be an addiction to fear mm-hmm. we know that their deadly mm-hmm. sin is anxiety mm-hmm. 
and they can catastrophize and they can easily think about, you know, what's going to go wrong mm-hmm. and um, and just think forward too much. They live in the future, yeah. right? And that keeps them from the present moment sometimes. They also can be dependent um, on institutions mm-hmm. or be addicted to like some sort of religious ideology mm-hmm. that they think is going to save or rescue them yeah. or they can get drawn to cults. Again, this is when they're in more of an unhealthy space, but that this idea that like, this is the right way, it's going to keep me safe. Yeah. Right. Like the ones have this idea of the right way in a different sort of way. But Mm -hmm. for the sixes, let me look to this religion because it's going to keep me safe and secure. And I'm going to feel, you know, like everything's going to be okay because of that. Um, so that can show up for a six, um, any thoughts that you have about yeah, the six? Yeah, so, you know, I think sixes in a healthy space could really um, have a deep attachment to an authority figure, whether mm-hmm. it is to their detriment or is helpful mm-hmm. for them. And that could get really, um, mm-hmm. really dangerous. And, you know, if we're talking in the space of yoga, I think everybody kind of has heard news as of recent why yoga gets very often really bad rap for the leaders of yoga or very renowned teachers Mm -hmm. who claim um, enlightenment and all the beautiful things who actually were predators. Yeah. You know, and I cannot help but think how many of those victims were sixes. Yeah, yeah. Who had... You know, that idea that this is their light and the path and the savior and kind of really had a almost blind attachment to somebody who abused them or used them or misled them or mistreated them. Well said, because for six, they either struggle with trust Mm -hmm. or they trust people blindly blindly yeah that's Mm -hmm. well said and so and yeah that happens in the world of yoga it happens in churches it happens in institutions it happens in your workplace it happens in families Families. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah in friendships in really romantic relationships Yeah. yeah yeah so that just something to watch out for again if it's too leaning too much in either direction Mm -hmm. makes sense to pause stop and say okay is that serving me Mm -hmm. is that good Mm -hmm. for me is it helping me be Mm -hmm. a best version of myself Mm -hmm. is it helping me be in the health healthy space Mm -hmm. you know so yeah Yeah. that's what i would say on the six all right, let's move on to mm-hmm. seven. So mm-hmm. seven, always, I, I like smile when I talk about seven because it's just a happy number for me. So our enthusiasts um, who might be addicted to joy, adventure, and what's next. Mm-hmm. So they might be prone to addiction also because of gluttony, which is their deadly scene, their shadow side. So it could be just truly living the life for the pleasure and the pleasure principle. Uh, stimulation from excitement. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking people who are adrenaline junkies mm-hmm. more likely <laughs> yeah. are sevens. Yeah. And, you know, and again, adventure is a beautiful thing and it is space of life. But if you, if this is your, I don't know, a thousand and first time to jump out of the airplane, Mm-hmm. Is it an adventure? Or is it something more? Mm-hmm. So that adrenaline rush, mm-hmm. I know for a fact, could be very addicting. And then you crave it 
and you have to have it. And sometimes maybe it's reckless things you do to get mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, what are your well thoughts? Said. Yeah. And I think too, this just came to me that for mm-hmm. a seven, I feel like because of that, what's next thinking, yeah. it can be like, one thing after another uh, of addiction. So it's like, oh, let me be an Enneagram junkie for a little while. And okay, I've got the Enneagram. Let me move on to, you know, go into this church. Okay, I've had the church experience. Okay, let me move on to this type of exercise. Okay, I've done Pilates. Okay, let me, you know, Mm. it's just like one thing to the next. Yeah. Um, but I think that there's a lot of growth that happens in sticking with something. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, here we're yeah. talking about some really good things, you yeah. know, like worship or the Enneagram or exercise. And I think we grow when we get grounded and yeah. stay with something for a while. Yeah. And I think it's to seven's detriment that sometimes they just go from one thing to the next. So yeah. there's this like short term addiction. Yeah. Does that does yeah, that no, that totally makes sense. I also feel that seven, some sevens would be, might be addicted to being in like social settings. Yeah. You know, yeah. that, that yeah. it is, I have to be in at these parties, at these events every day, all day, and almost being addicted to that because they're, for whatever reason, capable to be in by themselves in quiet, mm-hmm. in stillness, yeah. because that's so uncomfortable. Yeah. So yeah. that could be, you know, almost an addiction I that so. I always have to be with people. Always have to be social. Always yes. have to be that social butterfly yes. who just yes. brings the energy and the love Which is a beautiful thing it until it's taken to an extreme. Yeah. And, and that could be. Yeah. Until you lose your for. sense of grounding. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well said. Yeah. So eights, we want to look at our eights? Yes. All right. So their addiction could be to intensity, excessiveness, grand challenges in the workplace, um, power struggles, arguments, working too much. So it could be a variety of things for an eight. Um, And, you know, for... If, if I think about substances, they're so tough, mm-hmm. they're so strong, they're yeah. so like, I've got this, that they could be the type at a party that could consume more beer than the rest mm-hmm. of us, yeah. and then slowly that could turn into alcoholism or yeah. whatever, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, the, because they, they just can sometimes be excessive and, and do more of a good thing than somebody else. Yeah. Does that... Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I think out of all the numbers, the power struggle sort of comes Mm -hmm. front and center for me. And, you know, I would imagine the, you know, and again, I'm not going to name any names, but those billionaires, multi-billionaires who have built these companies that are running our lives and running Mm -hmm. our worlds and we all can kind of think about what what those may be and it's still not enough Mm -hmm. you know and i don't know if it for a nate it almost would be you know well how much money is enough yeah you know and but i want more because it's more power it's more control it's more access it's you know yeah. you, that that could be that could be addictive 
Very addictive. That's well said. And I think um, as I think about the eight needing to go to the two, needing to be more like a healthy yeah. two. Yeah. And give. And give and, and be give. relational mm-hmm. and be with other people. Yeah. And also yeah. that they, they compassionate. be compassionate and open up their heart space. Mm-hmm. And then how vulnerability is so important to them. Like if they live in that world of like, hey, I'm going to be on top of the world. I'm going to be the CEO and leader. It's going to be at the expense of relationships. 100%. And and it's such a lonely place, I would imagine, because I think higher you climb, lonelier it gets. But then if you need anybody, it's weakness. Yeah. Or it's, you know, not being strong enough and not being successful enough, not achieving enough. So it could be a double-edged sword. Again, there's beauty to it. You know, I would, you know, I don't drop names, but... Martin Luther King was an eight. Martin Luther King was an eight. So let's just think on that. There is directed in the right way. Mm -hmm. Eights literally change the world. Literally. The world. You know, it is just, it is the right direction or not. Yeah. That's that's what you need to watch out for. Yeah. 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 And I would say Martin Luther King had that heart space right? right but we also see like with him and i love martin luther yeah. king but he struggled in relationships yeah. like there was some infidelity yeah. in yeah. his you know relationship yeah. and his marriage and so we also can see how you know when you're not being careful yeah. there can be you know yeah. that can come up again yeah. the the sacrificing relationships yeah. because of sometimes the dreams yeah. so um yeah. yeah, so we're all human, you know. Of Martin course. Luther King yeah. is a hero to me yeah. and to this world, but yeah. he had his human moments just yeah. like I do. Right. And um so yeah, yeah. But um but yeah, the, there's so much beauty in all nine of these numbers. You're right, Cap. Well, all right, speaking so of, yeah, nines. exactly. Speaking of the nine numbers, so last but never the least, our peacemakers, um, that we think might have an addiction to codependency and comfort. So they can find their sense of self in others or just numb out. And because of sloppy and their deadly sin, uh, their addiction can show up as sleeping too much or eating too much or, you know, watching TV too much. So it is just almost being addicted to like. I don't know what would you, what word would you say? What word do you, would you comfort. use? Comfort. <laughs> I was gonna say comfort or codependency. Yeah, and and that kind of goes back to you know what I said about the four. It is the narrative that you can create in your head that you can get addicted to. You know, it's about everybody else. So mm-hmm. that could become, and then you even if maybe you know that. Frankly, it's not about everybody mm-hmm. else and your person and you matter and their self-worth. But then it's so easy to fall back to that, mm-hmm. the same kind of narrative that mm-hmm. everybody else, I don't matter. I shouldn't speak up. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, my presence doesn't matter. I should just my sit quietly. Right. And almost making that as like a penance you're addicted mm-hmm. to, mm-hmm. almost like self-punishment, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, and that could be addicted mm-hmm. to like 
becoming a martyr. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sometimes yeah. in their need to kind of get along and be at ease with others yeah. and at harmony with others, they just lose a little bit of themselves. Like, what are what are your values? What are your opinions? Like, yeah. it's okay. It's okay to speak up and it's yeah. okay to have dreams for your futures and yeah. not put your spouse's dreams first all the time, yeah. right? Like mm-hmm. the 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 nine is the most likely to uh, move into that world of codependency, mm-hmm. certainly. Yeah. Twos can do that, sixes yeah. can do that, other numbers can do that. But um but the nine kind of can go there um pretty readily. So that can definitely be an addiction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um you also could I I would assume get addicted to like feeling of sloth. Mm-hmm. Just kind of not doing much not wanting Mm -hmm. much Mm -hmm. not you know achieving much not dreaming much and just having that really Mm -hmm. just very subdued Mm -hmm. sort of existence and being Mm -hmm. and that could just and again we get addicted because there's a reason there's a sense of comfort in it yeah now is it good for us or not? That's a million dollar question. Yeah. But we get, you know, I get addicted to scrubbing the bathroom three times a, a day, mm-hmm. every day, because mm-hmm. there's a sense of comfort that I get from seeing there's no smudges anywhere. Mm-hmm. But is that really good for me? Like, is that making me a better version of myself? Mm-hmm. No. So that's what I need to mm-hmm. look at. You know, does that make sense? Yeah. So yeah. all those things in, you know, everything in moderation. Right. Including moderation is one of my favorite quotes. Right. So we're all human. Yeah. There's good and bad. And then there's a lot of these things that we talked about that are beautiful. Yeah. Unless it becomes excessive. Right. And then you need something else to keep that excess going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? And nines in my life, speaking of the sloth thing, would say that um, that sloth can turn into lots of different ways of numbing out and comforting themselves. So, like, that could be wine. That could be eating. That could be, like, too much Amazon Prime or whatever. It could be um, some sort of depressant, any type of like substance that kind of helps them to, to numb out and just uh, withdraw because, you know, then the nines, the fives and the fours, they're in the withdrawal sort of section of the Enneagram. And so, you know, it's easy for them to uh, just get addicted to that sloth and Mm -hmm. complacency, like you said. Yeah. So, and and I think that your statement earlier about what's underneath all of this is Mm -hmm. so important. We're going to be having an episode coming up Mm -hmm. about uh, the childhood messages. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I think that like all of us have a a inner child inside Mm -hmm. of us that's wounded. Yeah. And sometimes we move towards these addictions mm-hmm. because we don't want to get in touch with the pain, yeah. the pain of our previous stories, the pain yeah. of the now, of all the things we've gone through recently yeah. as a country with COVID. You know, there's there's just a lot of pain inside of us. Yeah. And so we don't want to look at that. So we yeah. turn to these substances yeah. um, and Come addictions yeah. of all kind. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so this podcast... We hope it's helpful. It's just a, a chance to kind of look at yeah. who we are and, yes. and how we can grow, right? Yes. Not to beat yourself up, not feel ashamed for any mm-hmm. missteps or any, any you know, 
shortcomings. And we just want to say that mental health matters. It is, you know, a topic that I'm so happy to um, hear spoken more of. And it's from childhood till you know, mm-hmm. the knocking on the heaven's gate. And I know, mm-hmm. Christine, your line of work, You, mm-hmm. this is what you work with. So mm-hmm. it's not about... Um, it's not about self-punishment. It's about self-reflection and living your happiest, healthiest, best version of yourself in your life than yeah. you can. Yeah. You say, and you know, the, the kind of be gentle with yourself message reminds yeah. me of us having Susan Lotta yeah. on and yeah. she spoke about grief. And um, I, I do think grief is underneath a lot of the ways that we numb out and mm-hmm. choose addiction. Yeah. But Susan... On her voice message, and I said this in the episode, but I just want to say it now. She has this voice message that says, treat yourself with kindness Mm -hmm. and give yourself an abundance of grace. Mm -hmm. So if you feel an ouch from kind of listening to this and you're like, oh, man, Mm -hmm. I have been leaning in on the wine a little too much lately. Okay, pay attention to that because mindfulness is about paying attention, Right. Right. But give yourself grace, too, and go gently Mm -hmm. with that as you explore that, right? Well said. Well put. Thank you, friend. Thanks, friend. During this meditation, let's start with a breath. Inhale through your nose. Exhale through the mouth. Then start to observe your body from the top of your head. To the bottom of your toes. If there's a place where you feel some pain, notice that. Breathe into that part of your body. If there's a place where you feel some tension, take a deep breath in. Exhale, release and soften. Allow yourself to relax. You can close your eyes. You can keep your eyes open. If you keep your eyes open, maybe you find a drishti, a non-moving point in front of you, and find soft eyes staring at that space. And then take a moment to breathe in and say to yourself the word I, and to breathe out and say to yourself the word am. And then take a moment to think of a peak experience in your life, a time of joy. Hold that memory in your mind's eye. Breathe three breaths here as you think about this peak experience in your life. Deep breath in. Big breath out. Two more sets of breath. And take a moment to experience and remember a low time in your life, a hard time. And breathe here as you remember this difficult experience. Inhale. Exhale. Two more breaths, just like that. And 
come back to the word. Inhale, I. Exhale, am. And then maybe think of the stressors in your life right now. Intentionally think about what is hard for you. What is keeping you up at night? Breathe here. Deep breath in. Big exhale out. And then come back to the word. Inhale, I. Exhale, am. And then just remind yourself that there will be highs and there will be lows in each day in our lifetime. But you are alive and you are resilient. And this breath of inhale, I, and exhale, am, can be a reminder of the gift to be alive, to get to say, I am. Bring one hand to your heart, and maybe the other hand touches the hand holding your heart. Deep breath in, big breath out. Inhale, I. Exhale, am. Whatever this day holds, through the highs, through the lows, through the stressors of life, you are resilient. You are alive. You've got this. Bring your hands to your heart. Namaste, friend.